Welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I am here with Buffy Peters, the director of Hamilton's Academy of Grief and Loss. Welcome to Emotion Well, Buffy. Thank you. It's good to be here with you, Johanna. It's great to be here in person and just to meet you and learn more about what you do at Hamilton's. I'm interested in exploring grief, and especially at this time of year, people don't always find it to be joyful and you know exciting. And if, if you've experienced loss, like I have, my dad passed away last December. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's there's a lot of mixed emotions, and so I want to have our listeners learn a little bit about the grief process, how they can grow through grief, and accept some of those feelings that they have, especially this time of year. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Hamilton's. So, I am the director of Hamilton's Academy of Grief and Loss. It's a division of Hamilton's Funeral Home here in Des Moines, Iowa. And the academy has been around since like 1996 doing grief support for the community. Uh, We do certain things for our families that use Hamilton's Funeral Services, but 90% of the work that we do is open to anyone completely free of charge. So, if you are not familiar, please go to our website. It's hamiltonsfuneralhome.com. Um, there's a lot of really great resources on our website alone. We do a lot of connecting though. So people will call us and say, hey, my person has died. I don't know what to do. And so we get them connected with the grief support services that other organizations do. Um, if we have some services, of course, we wanna get them connected with that as well. Um, but lots of really great stuff to get people the support they need while they're grieving. We know that that's really difficult, and especially our families maybe sometimes don't quite understand, or our friends are really shying away from us because grief is a really difficult topic to talk about, Um, and it's kind of one of those things that our society does not deal well with, and so we want to be able to connect um, people with the support that's available. Uh, Personally, I myself am a griever as well. I came to this work because in high school, um, or excuse me, when I was young, I was 10 when my grandma died and so just trying to figure out like what is this how am I supposed to do this my family really wasn't open with grief it was very like we don't talk about that anymore Um, and then when I was in college my best friend died and that just wasn't going to work for me so luckily I could learn and read books and you know figure out maybe a better path um, of how to I how do I grieve the death of my best friend without the support that I really needed. And so of course then I wanted to be that support for people. So I like to share that because I'm not just someone who's learned a lot from other people about grief or from textbooks or things like that, but I myself kind of understand it. I might not get exactly what it's like for you, Mm -hmm. but I know what it's like to have my heart shattered. Mm -hmm. And I think that empathy goes a really long way. Yeah, well thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Let's just start with grief itself, and I know a lot of people might be familiar with the different stages of grief. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with five. Is that kind of the general, or I'm sure there are more. Oh, I'm so (laughs) glad that your initial email even said some stuff about that, because that's my favorite thing to talk about, not probably for the reasons you think. So 
I think that's one of the hardest things with grief is there's a lot of misconceptions. Okay. And until you yourself are the griever, do you understand, like, that's not really how it works. So originally, the stage theory, if you're unfamiliar, is it came about from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she had actually observed people who were dying they seem to go through these different stages. So they've gotten a terminal diagnosis and they're going through this, you know, depression and the bargaining and all of these different things. And eventually they'll come to a place of acceptance. I'm dying, there's nothing I can do about it, that kind of thing. And because, you know, grief is hard and we wanna put something on it that, okay, you know, how do we fix it in other people? Um, Through the years, it became applied to grieving people. Okay. So it never really was, supposed to be but that's how it came to interesting and I think too if you do of course I'm a nerd I love all this stuff but if you do some research when you think about like stages talking about or excuse me theories talking about grief a lot of them were people who said this is how it is and then when they themselves became the griever thought hmm this isn't really how it is. And that's a really good example. So David Kessler is someone who actually helped Elizabeth Kubler-Ross develop the stage theory and be able to get it out to people, wrote books with her, all of that. And then when his son died in a car accident, he's like, okay, so this, like, arriving at acceptance isn't really happening for me. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening is he came up with a sixth stage which was I can't even remember oh meaning making is what his was Um, and so I always tell people like if there's things in that stage theory that work for you and make you feel a little bit better in your grief great take it personally when my best friend died all I thought was like so why is my grief not behaving in this way I'm certainly angry yeah (laughs) but like when you look at a stage theory it the connotation is that eventually you're going to come to acceptance you're going to be all better and back to Mm -hmm. normal right and that's just not how it works and we know that grief is very different for different people while it's a universal experience we're all going to experience it at some point in our lives it's different for each of us and it's different for each of the losses too And so there's a lot of factors that kind of go into why this grief impacts you in this way. Um, And so I just want people to know that if it's not working for you, if you're thinking like, I'm not going through this linear process Mm -hmm. or oscillating between different things, take what works for you and leave the rest. Grief is messy and it's not, it doesn't feel normal, even though we know it's the natural and normal reaction to a significant loss in our lives, it doesn't feel that way. And so, too, I think about, especially with the holidays coming up and all of those traditions and all of those things that go into it, reminding us of what we've lost, Mm -hmm. is you have to find the things that can help ease the pain a little bit. Yeah. Feeling better doesn't feel the same as it did before Mm -hmm. loss. And so it's kind of regaging what that means to you. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So when my, after my dad passed away, I remember talking to my counselor about, like, I was logicking my way through grief because I was like, well, I know what the stages are. <laughs> and I remember, like, I was in the shower one day and I was, like, doing the bargaining thing. Like, oh, if we like if we would have overslept that day and he wouldn't have gone to the hospital for his surgery, he wouldn't have had surgery and then he wouldn't have died, you know? And I just think about all of those things. And then, but I was, like, telling myself, like, 
this is okay. You're just bargaining. You're going to go to the next stage soon. And it just didn't feel good. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I'm glad you said that, you know, it looks different for everyone because with my siblings and me, I think it looks different for all of us. Yeah. And as we approach the holidays, I think we all have different feelings and emotions around it. And I think when you kind of pigeonhole yourself into like, this is the process mm-hmm. and this is how I'm supposed to feel. And at some point I'm going to feel a different way. It For me, it made me feel like I was like not normal. Right. I was right. like, you're oh. doing it wrong. Yeah. 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 So I'm really glad you brought that yeah. up. And, and that's the thing too with grief. There's no wrong way to do it. How you grieve is how you grieve. We know that some of the things we do to either shuffle away from our grief and pretend it's not there isn't we say like there's maladaptive and adaptive coping skills Mm -hmm. so maladaptive would be I'm not dealing with I'm doing things that are harming me right I'm in denial I'm pretending for long periods of time I'm using substances things Mm -hmm. like that are not helping ourselves while we're grieving versus those adaptive coping skills which are the things that are going to help me right yeah going for walks makes it so i'm sleepier and so i can go to sleep tonight yeah things like that like finding good ways to cope with our grief but i think that's a lot of it is we're so hard on ourselves Mm -hmm. and especially those of us that maybe are in the field of mental health or um, helping people we think we know like okay so this is how it works why is mine not working and we're so hard on ourselves and so if there's anything you take from this, I hope it is that you just give yourself a little bit of grace and say, like, this is hard right now, and that's okay. I'm going to be in this hard and feel the things that you're feeling. And just finding those ways to process, especially with the holidays when it is holly jolly and everybody's having a great time mm-hmm. and you're just like, this is not great, you guys. Like, this yeah. really sucks. Yeah. Acknowledge that it sucks. I think that's what happens with a lot of families, though, is that we just pretend. Mm -hmm. They're not here. We're just not going to talk about it because I don't want to make you cry, Mm -hmm. even though you're thinking about it. And if they said, hey, I know you're really missing your dad today. Like, do you have a fun, like, what is one of your fondest memories at at Christmas time with your dad or Thanksgiving or whatever? And, like, you might cry. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of it. Like, when I was six, my dad told me he was going to get me polka dot pants for Christmas. And he found them at Kmart. Oh, my gosh. And they were red with white polka dots. (laughs) And they had suspenders with Christmas trees that hooked to the waistline. Nice. And a little white shirt that had an elf on it. And there's a picture of us. And, like, he was was joking when he told me he was going to find them. Yeah, but he did. And he found them. Yeah. And he was, like, so proud of himself for finding this. And so, yeah, like, that's when you – like, I immediately, like – and I'm feeling, like, a little bit better right now. Right. You know, because I am a little bit sad, like, thinking about my dad and talking about it. Mm-hmm. But when you said, like, a memory, it's like, oh, my gosh, I have yeah. I have so many good ones. Yeah. And There's a reason it's so sad that he died. Yeah. Right? It's that love that still, even after death, is still yeah. there. And we talk a lot with people, too, about how do we continue that bond in a different way. Yeah. We can still talk about those memories and just seeing your face as you were kind of yeah. sharing a little bit about that, it is such a gift when we can just ask those questions. Yeah. And I think as people who want to help, we're so afraid, what are we going to say? Mm-hmm. How am I going to make Johanna's grief better? Yeah. Well, the only thing that's going to make it better is bringing your dad back, right? And that's not possible. Right. So. And I think about that a lot with the acceptance. Like, there's just, I have a real beef with that word <laughs> specifically because all a grieving heart wants is their person to come back my best friend in january it'll be 19 years since she died and there's still that ache 
that just wants her to come back is just as strong as it was when she died. And so I think that we have to look at those things differently, too. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. It means I love my best friend, right? Yeah. And if that love's always going to be there, how can we use that to continue to go forward, not move on, but go forward in our lives carrying that memory and in their honor? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the way that we can kind of, like you were saying, move through, get to a place where we can kind of unpack all of those really difficult emotions that we're feeling especially like if we're worried like you were talking about well only if he wouldn't have gone to the hospital that wouldn't have happened he wouldn't have died your brain knows yeah (laughs) there was nothing you could do right but your heart yeah your heart says something different yeah and if only i did the same things and it doesn't make any rational sense but emotions you can't rationalize with yeah and so I think that's the thing too is that when we want to help people we have to know that there's nothing we're going to say that's going to make it better Mm -hmm. but if we can ask those questions like hey tell me about share with me about your person right or I you know I don't know what to say I feel so sad what happened to you do you want to go out for ice cream or do you want me just to sit here with you? Yeah. We can scroll on our phones. You don't have to talk to me, but I just yeah. want you to know I'm here for you. Yeah. And knowing yourself as to what you can provide. Yeah. If you're not the person who can sit there and just like be comfortable in the uncomfortableness, but you're the person who has like the funny story or the jokes or the funny TikTok videos uh-huh. or whatever, being like, you know what? I am so like my heart breaks for you when you need it i'm here for the comic relief so you just send me a text and i'm yeah. there right yeah no, doesn't make great. you the bad person but you're telling them this is what i can provide yeah. for you one question that a friend had asked me a couple of years ago like her sister had lost a spouse and she said something like should you know like their anniversary is coming up like i mean do i say something or not and i remember thinking well i'm sure your sister is very aware that her anniversary is coming up and very aware that she's experiencing that without her spouse. So maybe it would be helpful to say something that you're thinking of her. So how, because I think a lot of people just don't know what to say or they don't know if they're saying things too much. Another friend who lost a child once said like she wished people talked about him more outside of his birthday and death day. You know, it it kind of felt like he had disappeared. Mm -hmm. Um, So what about for the people who are alongside the grievers who are observing grief um, but maybe not going through it themselves you know is it good to acknowledge anniversaries milestones things that you know are significant to the griever yeah definitely I hear that all the time from people they act like he never existed they're too afraid to say anything I don't know how many parents I have heard from that when they're in the grocery store literally will see someone they know the look on their face they'll turn around and walk away because it's so painful people are so afraid of what to say if I say the wrong thing it's again that thinking like I can if I just had the phrase that could fix it Mm -hmm. not make this uncomfortable but all of it's uncomfortable and for those people on those days to know that someone else remembered that their person hasn't been forgotten like those of us that are left behind we are the protectors of that memory and we feel like we're the only ones yeah until someone says hey i know today's probably really tough like 
do you have a picture from your wedding day? I would love yeah. to see it. Obviously, the sister like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was yeah. there. Yeah. But do you remember at your wedding, like, this happened? That was just such a beautiful day. And I know yeah. your heart is just aching for him. And I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Yeah. You don't even have to respond. And guarantee she's going to be like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. It is such a hard day. Send flowers. Acknowledge it. And I think that's a really good point that you made, too, is that it doesn't just have to be on those special days. Mm -hmm. But if you could put those in your calendar and say, like, hey, I know this day is tough. The person who had a child died. Maybe Mother's Day is really difficult. Yeah. Going out of your way, just saying, I see you. I know that this might be really hard for you today. I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you. It doesn't fix anything, but it lets them know that they're not alone. And that is such a gift that we can give them. Yeah. Before we started recording, I shared that when I was 10, my one of my best friends lost his mom to cancer. And so let's talk a little bit about children and the grief process because what I had said is that I remember going to her wake. I mean, we knew she was going to pass away. She had lived with cancer, not for very long. It was very aggressive. And so, but, but we knew, we, we could anticipate that she would pass. And once she passed and went to the wake, I remember coming home from the wake and seeing him like throwing a football around with his cousins in the yard and I was 10 he was 10 and I just remember at the time thinking like your mom just died like you're playing football but now 30 years later I can understand it better like that was his way to deal with the loss of his mother children how how do they process do they process differently are they more keenly aware of what's going on than we realize Yes, yes, and yes. Um, and kids, they're, I love working with kids. They, I've learned so much from them. And I think a lot of times us adults think that we know better and that the kids don't pick up on things, and they do. I mean, every single time they do. And kids are really good at compartmentalizing their grief. They need to be able to play, especially physical activities. Mm -hmm. Kids might not have the language all the time to express how they're feeling, but if they can throw a football and play games and feel a little normal but also get that energy out of them it's so helpful or if they can draw a picture or get them you know get those things out creatively it helps them so much we think though that they're not grieving if they're not telling us Mm -hmm. if they're not using the same words that we're using or if they're not acting the way we're acting exactly and a lot of times where we'll get people saying hey I need some support for my child is because they're acting out when really it's just their emotions, they don't know what to do with, right? And so you might see some regression. So especially a young child whose mom died, they might be sucking their thumb again or having wetting the bed problems, things that they've grown out of long ago, but all of a sudden they're regressing to a time when mom was still there, right? And so just being aware that children are very different than us and we might not say oh I think that that's their grief coming out but it very very well may be it's not our job to judge it though okay so if they go you know haul off and punch their brother and say well I miss dad and us say well you know what are we going to do about that right do you really miss dad or are you just mad at your brother Mm -hmm. that's not our place we can say though I know that you miss your dad but in this house we don't you know get physical with someone else mm-hmm. and this is your punishment for or whatever you know yeah. so you can still enforce those rules kids need those rules and that routine that is really helpful for them but i think we just have to stop and ask them 
what is it that you need right now, mm-hmm. right? What are your ideas for the funeral? What do you want to do? Have, let's pick out some pictures or a song or something like that. We don't incorporate kids nearly enough in those things, and I think that we're doing them a huge disservice not. Um, they're a part of it, and so yeah. we cannot protect them from that. Where we also have to look at is those kids that are really quiet, and those are the ones that were just like, well, th- I think they're doing okay because they're not causing outbursts or right. things like that. Or and they're acting no different than they did before right, the passing. Right. And what they might be doing is protecting. They like to protect their adults. And so I'm not going to bring up dad right. because that's going to make mom cry. Uh-huh. And so then I just keep all my feelings to myself. Yeah. And I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And that's not necessarily the case, right? Yeah. And so it's just kind of being aware of changes we see in our own kids um, and, you know, reaching out for support. I think support is wonderful, especially for kids. If they can get connected with other kids that are grieving, that's amazing. Um, and knowing, too, that we don't have to be all of it. Mm-hmm. We want to figure out ways to grieve as a family, but we can also call in the support, right? Sure. And be able to connect them with other other people that can support them as well. And I think about especially teenagers. If they had a friend die, the last thing they want to do is talk to an adult about that. Yeah. They want to connect with their friends mm-hmm. and be with other teens. Um, so thinking about how can I get them connected with other kids that are grieving. But again, knowing I cannot fix this. Right. And if I'm trying to protect my child, I'm using quotes here, like we have to be honest and we have to be able to answer their questions. If a child's old enough to ask a question, they're old enough to hear that answer. Mm-hmm. And so I think about those families that are very reluctant to share, you know, when the cause of death is suicide or substance related or things like that. Um, those kids are trying to piece together the puzzle pieces. Right. And if they don't have all the answers that they need, that's going to be really tough and they're going to make it up. And a lot of times, that's a lot worse than what the reality is. Yeah. Um, so understanding, though, too, that there's a lot going on, and they're trying to process their own right. grief and all of that and kind of stuff. And age-appropriate information. Exactly. Like, like what you share about, yeah. you know, a suicide or a substance use passing. Yeah. And we usually kind of err on the side of kind of under-answering. When we talk to kids, we use the, the actual words, right, that they died. Um, if our family uses the words passed away, because around here that's what we say yeah. a lot, right? We want to make sure they understand that passed away means that they died. And when we say that they died, their body stopped working, right? Mm -hmm. And does that make sense? And starting to talk about, well, that means their heart's not beating. You know, all those things, especially if they're very young. Um, So it's just, it's one of those tricky things, but we want to be able to give them the information they need so that they're, again, a part of the family's grief. And not that we want to be, you know, a sobbing mess in front of our kids. We might need to excuse ourselves so, again, they don't feel like they need to protect me. Right. But saying, like... uh, I'm so glad that you brought dad up. I know I'm crying right now, but I just really miss him too. And it was yeah. so good for you, like to hear you say that. Yeah. You're not making me cry. I just really miss daddy yeah. too. No, that's good. Yeah. What about the types of grief? I was doing a little research before you came today and like anticipatory grief. And I've all, often heard that associated with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, maybe the person has not died, yeah. but a part of them is no longer with you in the way that they once were. So anticipatory grief, is that common when someone has a terminal illness or um, you just know that even, I I feel like even 
like when my grandparents were like 95 plus I'm like well this, yeah there are not many more birthdays right you know and they I mean they're in good health but this can't go on indefinitely so anticipatory grief when you know someone is going to pass um, what about complicated grief so there's a lot of terms especially if you google grief and right now there's a very unfortunate um shift that's happening of trying to pathologize grief okay and so complicated grief is one of those terms that at some points they were trying to get that into the dsm um, to be a diagnosable there is you've reached you know like Uh these are the criteria you have complicated grief they're now calling it prolonged grief disorder um is it it, in the dsm right now it is in the dsm they are testing it's so maddening they are testing um drugs to cure your grief and treat it um based on the idea that the person who is grieving is addicted to their loved one and so they're using addiction drugs really to try and stop you from grieving I, so i'm i'm <laughs> assuming that you don't you're not, not in alignment with this I'm yeah not a fan. just the look on your face <laughs> not a fan if we're saying that grief is the natural and normal reaction to loss any significant change, right? We're talking grief after a death, but we know that grief, I mean, look at the pandemic, It right? could be a relationship, oh my it gosh. could be a job loss, it could be retirement, yes. it could be yeah. so many different yeah. things. And we know that all grief is valid, right? right? Megan Devine says this, and she's got a book called It's Okay That You're Not Okay, highly recommend. And she talks about how all grief is valid, but it's not all the same, right? Uh-huh. So to me, my animal dying, huge grief. But I'm not going to go to someone whose child died and say, I know just how you feel. My dog died and I just was lost. I might understand what heartbreak feels like, but I don't understand what theirs feels like. And so when we talk about, you know, these diagnoses and trying to, if I'm telling you this is a natural and normal reaction to loss, yes, you might need some additional support, especially for people who really are hung up on like those really tough emotions like guilt and shame Mm -hmm. and blame and all of those having someone to help you through that amazing but saying like oh sorry johanna yep you've reached all of the oh it's oh it's been six months really right. it's not, you're not on the timeline it's it's very <laughs> maddening to yeah. me but we also know that certain grief is more complicated So thinking about my example, so when my grandma died when I was 10, she had a heart defect. We didn't know that she had it. Um, And so while she was in the hospital, she was supposed to make recovery and then died. So it was kind of shocking, right? But she was older and so it kind of felt like that's how it works. Now, when my best friend died, she was murdered. And that grief was very, very different. And so there was a lot of things that made that different, right? The trauma of it. So I was dealing with trauma reactions. It was almost like a traumatic grief experience. Yeah, so we know that all of these griefs are valid, but they're all very, very different. And so that's what we need to think about when we're thinking about people who are going through something. A child watching their person die on hospice, we might say, well, you got to say goodbye, you knew it was coming. To that child, that was very traumatic. Mm-hmm. And so trauma is one of those things that we can't, I can't say, well, that must have been traumatic for you. And you're like, actually, right. you know, I got to say goodbye. Like You might yeah. say those things and that's okay, but we can't put that on the right. griever. And so thinking about when we think about those classifications, I think about anticipatory grief. If someone's using substances, 
and they're maybe potentially overdosed a few times, uh-huh. there's some grief that's already happening yes. because you're, you see the train coming and there's nothing yeah. you can do. And so we often do think of it with Alzheimer's or dementia, and certainly that is a lot of grief that you're saying goodbye to that person long before their body gives out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just, it's such a spectrum with a lot of these things. So certainly there's grief that is way more complicated, but it just, it depends on the person. And I've met with kids that their people have died from homicide and it's just kind of a natural way of life for them and their community. Yeah. And I'm over here like, really? But for them, I can't put that on them. Right. I can help them process through, but that's really up to the person who's dealing with it. I also think sometimes when there is a death, there's you've lost the person, but maybe so if it's your spouse, maybe you no longer can afford to live in the home you live mm-hmm. in. Yep. Or maybe you feel like you've lost a connection to that, you know, spouse's friend group or their family. And so multiple losses at once, I mean, yeah. is that pretty common for people? Yeah, we call those secondary losses, okay. right? The primary loss is the person died and then there's all those other things that change right along with it so I mean you named some very very good ones and as those people coming alongside that's where we can fill in that gap so maybe the person was the one that did all the yard work and now I don't even know what to do great Mm -hmm. my brother owns a lawn care business and he could come over is it okay if I have him come over at this time you always want to ask especially I think about those stories like they need their house clean. I'm going to be a good person and come in and clean it. But you didn't know that that Pepsi can that was sitting there was the last thing he touched, yeah. right? Yes. So you always want to ask, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Did you need anything? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. Ask, because, don't assume. Well, yeah. And a lot of times, what do we say to people who are grieving? If you need anything, let me know. Let me know. Nine times out of ten. No one's going to let you They're know. not going to let you know. And so while you do really mean well, it doesn't really matter. And I know for a lot of grieving people, that is the most daunting question. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I need right now. Like, right. I'm supposed to now make you a list. Right. Really? Like, I have this and much brain power. And especially for people who are hesitant to ask for help in the first place. Yeah. You know, someone who doesn't like to ask for help under you know the yeah. normal circumstances might not want to ask for right. help when they're grieving yeah exactly what so about, if you can give them ideas yeah super helpful what about you know like the lot like a lot of times it's the loss of an identity mm-hmm. so like if you lose your only child yeah. you know what yeah who are you what am i you know um yeah. or if you lose your spouse so i mean i just feel like a lot of times it's the loss of an identity too yeah. people think grief is a moment in time right the person has died, you go through the funeral, and then it's all good. Right. And there's so much that or goes along with it. Or once you reach acceptance, you're done. Right. Like, and like, reach is over. She's been, <laughs> it's fine. Well, we're good, right? And it's just, that's not how it is. It is a lifelong impact. Now, the hope is that, especially in the immediate impact of that grief, that there's lots of things that you're dealing with and wrestling with that over time, you're able to kind of sort through and be like, okay. I'm getting to a good place with this, knowing that your grief will resurge. Sometimes on those days that you expect, like Father's Day, Mother's Day, their birthday, the death anniversary, Christmas, their favorite holiday, whatever it is. 
And then there's going to be other days that I'm in the grocery the grocery store. So many people have breakdowns in the grocery store. I don't think people realize this. I see their favorite bag of chips, yeah, and I am there a are mess. so many things that are connected to food. Yes. So many emotions and traditions and rituals. Yes, yes, yes. And so then I was not expecting that, and all of a sudden I am brought to my knees in the middle of that store. And the hope is that over time we have different coping abilities that can kind of meet those days. Right. But knowing that some days are just going to be hard and that is okay. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, giving ourselves permission that grief doesn't really get over. It just continues with us. And when we can share our story and share our memories and keep that memory alive, that's how we help grieving people. And as uncomfortable as you may be that's how we can help them tell us about what hamiltons can do to support grievers so much so you were talking about the holidays we do have a coping with grief symposium coming up geared specifically for the holidays so depending on when you listen to this it's sunday november 6th Um, it's a come and go event two to four we actually have um, kind of a side note on this so we compile all of the grief resources here in the des moines metro area as well as across the state of Iowa. So if you're listening to us from Marshalltown, shout out, that's where I'm from, um, you can actually go and look on Marshalltown and see what kind of grief support is available there. So we update that twice a year in conjunction with this event. So the Des Moines metro area, we do invite the people who do the groups. So you can come learn just ways you can take care of yourself during this time of year we have a memorial activity that you can participate in Um, we have kind of worksheets to take home with you thinking about like so the holidays are coming up what do I want to do what do I not want to do how can I rethink this differently this year where can I use some support so it's got different questions thinking about the holidays you know that are basically happening what through Monday through the the new year there's a lot Um, and maybe New Year's Day was like your day or maybe your person died this year Mm -hmm. and New Year's Day marks the first year that you're going to have to live without them you know there's days like that that you just are like why did that one hit me and you never thought about it before so if you can kind of get a game plan that can be helpful Um, but knowing too like you might have this game plan and that day you wake up and you're like today is the day I stay in bed that is okay you can't let other people make you feel like you have to do different things you have to do what's right for you um, and listen to your gut with that so we just kind of talk through some of those different things Um, but then those people are there that have those support groups we know that it's a little bit easier to attend a group like that if you now have made a connection sure you can learn about their support service and think you know this might be something worth trying out also knowing that that's not going to work for everybody if you're not naturally one of those people who want to connect with others that might not be a good fit so maybe there's books that might be helpful Um, we actually have a lending library out at our west des moines location we have over 900 different titles so all kinds of different books for kids teens adults professionals before the death after the death you name it Um, so if that's something that maybe reading someone's story that gives you enough distance Uh that it's like okay somebody does understand like this is somebody Um, so that's really helpful and we'll have books at this event i mean all kinds of different stuff so where is the event the event is at our hamilton's on west town parkway okay it's right across the street from the Olive Garden, not too far from Valley West Mall. Um, so if you're interested in that, go to our website. We have all the information. 
if you're listening to this after and you're like, oh, I missed it, right. um, have no fear. You can actually contact us and we can mail you a grief care packet okay. that contains some of that information from the event, gets you that community resource booklet. Um, so there'll still be that information available all through this holiday season. Um, but like I said, if you haven't gone to our website, please go there. We do have a couple of kids programs. Um, we were talking about that a little bit before we started uh, recording. We have two. One is called Little Hands, and that's for three and a half to six-year-olds. They're short-term three sessions, really just trying to get them um, connected with other kids who are grieving, teaching them about what does it mean when we say someone has died, what we do at the funeral home, how do we honor, how do we remember our people who have died. Um, and so that one, we actually have one coming up in November. So if you do have some kids that are in that age range that are grieving, that you want to get connected, it's completely free of charge. That one's actually at our downtown location at 605 Lion. Um, that's real close to the Capitol. Um, and then we have another one called Healing Hearts that's for first through sixth graders. So we schedule those throughout the year. You can learn more about those on our website as well. Um, but again, if you're just grieving and you're like, I just, I don't know where to start. You telling me to go to your website, I need more help. Like I need, I need more assistance than mm -hmm. that. Give us a call. Um, you can always call us and say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm looking for. If you need counseling or anything like that, we can get you connected with people that can support you. Excellent. You don't have to go through this alone. I think that's the biggest thing is we think that we just have to kind of, you know, grit our teeth and just like make it through. Um, there are resources that are available and it's not just like I said sitting around in a room talking to people like there's a lot that we can get you connected with or resources online video I mean you name it we've got all kinds of things that we can help um, get you started in the right direction. Excellent. And then for our listeners who have our EAP, you can yeah. always access counseling sessions through our EAP and yes. I think sometimes it's helpful to do counseling and have a support group. I mean, I think they complement each other really nicely. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So. Especially if, again, you're working on those things that are just really tough for you. I need help with this regret or whatever it is. Having that person to talk one-on-one -on -one with, that outside person, uh -huh. I think everyone needs to have a counselor. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, just to work through life, but especially something like this and to help kind of direct you and to hear stories from other people can be so helpful yes. so it isn't a one-size-fits-all and that's the other thing your people are going to tell you Johanna this is what you need to do just need to start running eat right like blah 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 that's what worked for me so just do that and that's going to make you feel better everyone is so different and so it is kind of frustrating but you have to experiment and yeah. figure out okay this is what makes me feel quote-unquote better meaning it gives me that chance to work out my feelings and then I can sleep a little better at night or it lets me, you know, get my feelings out creatively and then I have more attention at home with the kids or whatever. So kind yeah. of just shifting that thought process. And that you will kind of grow through, yeah. you know, you will, uh, we were talking about adaptive and maladapted yeah. Yeah. Uh, coping skills. Over time, some of your coping skills may change. You yes. know, it might be that right now it's therapy and a support group and then maybe in a year from now you're like you know what I the, the therapy is good and I'm going to start running you know yeah, I just feel like yeah, it a lot of times people kind of pigeonhole themselves into yes. I need to do these two things indefinitely right when really they're growing through the process and they can find themselves kind of changing that routine up yeah. and finding what works for them and, yes. and 
what meets them where they are. Yes. So. Yes. Well, this was, I mean, we could just talk for a long time. I think so. So we're going to cut it off, but I am going to include a bunch of resources in our show notes. So for our listeners, I'll include the link to Hamilton's website. There were a couple book recommendations. You shared a podcast recommendation either before we were on the record or during. I don't remember. Yeah. But I'm going to be sharing uh, several uh, tidbits of information in the show notes. But thank you so much, Buffy. It was yes. great to have you. and so nice to meet you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Emily Wancombe.